0: Hindsight is twenty twenty. Chapter four part two. In one of the conversations, I remember asking my brother what he needed for me in all of this. It was evident they had a lot to juggle with friends and family and circumstance. I just wanted to do anything I could to alleviate whatever additional stressors I could. He and his wife let me know. They needed space on the day of the services to get as prepared as they could for what the day entailed. We established plans to transport our other brother to the services and called it a night. My organizational skills and management experience helped me tremendously in completing the task of digitally wrangling all of the family members that were in from out of town on the day of the services. I had my orders, so I ran with them. We got ready ourselves and picked up my other brother leaving our oldest sibling and his immediate family time to be together without outside interruption in advance of the funeral i made a point to create a group chat the night before and i sent out a message that detailed the wishes of my brother and his wife i included any details i thought were pertinent to include a request to pass on the information to anyone on our side of the family I may have missed. Having never experienced what he was going through, I didn't understand where he was at. I felt like additional support might be appreciated, especially in a family as dysfunctional as ours had the propensity to be. The closer it got to go time, the more anxious I became. In my mind, my spouse was taking entirely too long getting ready to leave. That I had to support him in this endeavor was insult to injury at this point. I've come to realize that the more stress I'm under, the more impatient I become. I've exhibited this outwardly in the workplace more than in my personal life. If I could have lit a fire under his ass at that juncture, I would have. I seriously thought that we might be late. Not literally, but in a sense that I didn't want to arrive too far past my brother and our remaining family. And I felt that he was taking way, way, way too much time getting dressed and pressed for the occasion. There were a thousand people in attendance at the memorial services. I knew he was a character, but I didn't really understand until then just how many people's lives he touched. His college fraternity brothers performed a song and many of his peers told stories. One of the biggest underlying themes to the stories told was how driven and ambitious my nephew was. I don't remember what the song was, just that it had been one he was particularly fond of. I hugged my remaining nephews, my brother and his wife, for what equally felt like an eternity and not enough time. There's something about a specific type of embrace that makes you feel like maybe you're safe, and maybe it's okay to trust, and maybe the arms cradling you want you to feel the depths of all the love they hold for you, and their desires to keep you safe and convey wordlessly that your pain is understood, and in their eyes your existence valid and valued, that whatever you need those arms can can and will provide. It's kind of like a promise of sorts. All of that and so much more is what I hope to get across in the duration of those moments of embrace. It was also like an act of saying, I'm sorry your life was cut short. I'm sorry you won't see tomorrow. And I'm sorry for all the time I missed to him vicariously through those he left behind. I went to visit my brother about a year and a half after all of this. One of the days we had gotten into some pretty serious conversations about mental health in varying circumstances. This led to a dialogue about our upbringing in the aftermath and recovery from losing a child. In that, I was told that of all the siblings, I had maintained the most frequent and consistent contact after he lost his son. Our brother was probably at a loss for words and extremely avoidant. Our sister who lived in the area, had also been relatively standoffish. Maybe she didn't know how to support them. I don't know. The awkward illusion of one of them didn't come as much as a surprise. Our sister being any kind of avoidant is what I couldn't have anticipated. Outwardly, she comes across as the most well-intended and kind of us kids. I really didn't And still don't know exactly what to make of any of the things that came up in the duration of the discussions we had that day. The concept that I was the one who reached out the most was shocking at the time. Looking back from where I am now, I'm not surprised though. I think the biggest reason why I was taken aback is my perceived role within the family dynamic as a whole. Maybe that contributed to my consistency. Growing up, I felt like the perpetually forgotten child. Low on the totem pole because of our birth order and my inability to acknowledge having needs, let alone request those needs be met. In my teens, I felt like I was a burden to my parents and an outsider amongst us kids. This wound has come full circle in my adult life. Now I'm the childless sibling, hence the forgotten child once more. I recently engaged in some form of contact with all of my siblings and looking at the whole situation through my current lens, I'm less surprised by their responses than I was when the conversation had taken place. My middle brother has had some recent upheaval in his life and briefly was reaching out to me multiple times a day. Things seem to have improved for him. With this, the contact has died down. I reached out to my sister At the height of my concerns for the brother I just mentioned, we had a long conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The overall observation I made was that the middle siblings are the ones who are least confrontational in nature. This translates in action to behavior patterns that avoid uncomfortable conversations, even if they're not expressly aggressive in inflection and tone. Here are a few things about me that are pertinent to this topic. I don't shy away from difficult subject matters, with exception to my own feelings. I've got a certain sense of familiarity with mental anguish, and I'm prone to bouts of situational depression or anxiety, and when it comes to people I value, I try my best to provide whatever I feel I would want or need if I were in their shoes. Unfortunately, that last one has led to what my oldest brother would describe as one-way-shinships. As much of an asshole as I can be, I can be just as empathetic a supporter. The assholeism acts as my protective shield. The desire for comfort and care, if the shoe was on the other foot, kept me reaching out. To be fair, though, I felt like I was being avoidant even though I feel like for the most part I've become adept at carrying my burdens quietly and alone. I'm working on being better about opening up, communicating my needs, and being less of an asshole if it's not merited. Rome wasn't built in a day. Submerged in this tête-à-tête, I asked him if he knew what happened. He answered by asking if I really wanted to know. After I nodded, He revealed that his son had committed suicide. This admission still haunts me. I even told him a summarized version of the guilt that piece of information had inspired. I wish I knew he was struggling and the details of what he was struggling with at the time all of this was happening. To say I've experienced my fair share of emotional torment is an understatement. I understand that there are people that have had it far worse but I'm not going to invalidate my experiences or my nephews by deflecting to that. I know all too well the low lows of feeling alone only when life is at its most bleak. My nephew was much better at masking than I am. I still sit with this sometimes. I think what makes it hurt the most is understanding the depths of dark thoughts and uncontrollable feelings that come along with suicidal ideation. I came across a playlist of songs he put together. This is something I discovered not long after he passed, through a friend of his sharing it on social media. Music was important to him. It's actually something each of us kids have in common. I was pleasantly surprised to find some of my own favorite songs on there. The favorite tunes we shared were primarily two types of songs, love songs and sad songs. I also discovered new artists and genres through it. I used this track list as a bridge to feel close to him in his absence that year. I also used it as a crutch when my marriage had taken its final blows. Something about it provided comfort in some very, very dark moments prior to when I moved out. Even now, I can't fathom how hard it must be for my brother and his family sometimes. I like to think of these songs as my nephew's way of providing much needed comfort I otherwise wouldn't seek out in my own dark and desolate moments. And as much as that conversation stung, it gave me the glaringly obvious awareness that I needed to reopen and find a way to legitimately heal this wound. This admission was strangely validating of my pain earlier in the year. Mind you, This was the same brother that expressed that I'd had a lot of high stress things on my plate only a year after losing his child to suicide. That sits with me. It's probably one of the most validating experiences I've had in the last few years, and maybe longer. I've since written a letter of apology to my nephew, amongst other topics. There are also a handful of poems. I hope above all else that my brother and sister-in-law are able to make peace with whatever they carry from all of this. Talking about this in this caliber still makes my heart ache for them and for the guilt they might harbor along with my own. This is the first time I've really opened up about it in this way in all the vivid details with all of the emotional involvement since it occurred. I consider myself on the scientific side. But at this point in my life, I choose to believe that some form of the energy that transferred from his physical form must have made it into the oxygen molecules I'm breathing, or something to that effect. I can't elaborate on how or why, but I feel like he's helping me through some things, even now. The only other sense I can make, if I were to assume that larger parts of universal timelines are in fact predetermined, is that the most excruciating circumstance had to come first. Otherwise, I may not have made it to the other side of everything that followed. The last three years have entailed a plethora of growth through loss, experiences, and inexperience. After the conversations I've had with my brother, I feel like I have no other option but to persevere. The fuckery afoot in my life and how I choose to respond to it cannot be another source of mourning for that branch of my family tree. I have a multitude of respect and admiration for my brother and his strength of character and his self-awareness. For the most part, the latter of these qualities is something sorely lacking in the people that brought us into this world. And maybe that's where that stems from, the drive to be more perceptive, human, than the example given. Come to think of it, the people that made us don't really exhibit much strength of character either outside of the characteristic of self-centered behavior patterns. This is one of the areas he and I aren't too different. A lot of what I'm going through is an extreme deep dive into the cause and effect of why I am the way I am and who I am. I'm also trying to decipher exactly who the person is that's behind the walls of the protective tower I built up in my head. I read somewhere once that the vulnerable part of yourself that you work to protect from the world is essentially your authentic self. This is somewhere in something that was elaborating on the importance of living authentically and being okay about being who you are on the inside with the world at large. I also had a recent dialogue with my oldest brother on the topics of transparency and vulnerability. As per usual, He had some sage wisdom to offer about being unafraid of those very things. His words went a little something like this. Everyone knows the worst thing that has ever happened to me. I can shit my pants and not give a fuck. After what's already taken place, the rest of it doesn't matter. I've been sitting with this since our conversation, and he's right. When your most vulnerable moment is, for lack of a better term, on public display anything else is less terrifying. I'm trying to figure out what I have to gain from being open with my feelings because I can't lose what I never had, you know? Either way, this self-awareness journey has not been an easy one, but it's a very necessary one at this juncture and I'm very grateful for those that are helping me through all of this.